Hello, Park Church Podcast people. It's me, your host, James Lapine, and I'm so honored that you would join us for this month's episode here on the Park Church Podcast. We're taking uh, this year to talk with uh, campus ministers, uh, with church planners, with uh, overseas ministers, and with local organizations here in Denver, uh, with which Park Church partners financially. Uh, we're taking time to just talk about what they're up to, uh, challenges that they're facing, how we can continue to pray for and support them. Um, last month, we talked with Dan Morata in January, and this month, February, we talked with Jason Percupio. Actually, today, just a, a few minutes ago, I got off the phone with him, got it done in time. By the end of February, he and his family were in Spain for vacation, uh, but they got back uh, a day or two ago, and we were able to connect on the phone today. Uh, Jason is a church planner. Uh, of uh, the Connection Church. He told me I was allowed to just call it the Connection Church instead of saying the French name. Uh, And they are in the heart of Paris, France. They're right at the city center. Um, And we talked uh, through why they decided to plant right there in the city center. Uh, We talked about challenges that they've faced. It's very expensive uh, to plant in Paris, Um, but also about successes that they've seen. They've grown quickly. Um, and I also asked him about the, the terroristic acts that happened in Paris in 2015 and um, how that affected their church and how that's uh, different from how it might affect people in the United States. Um, and then we talked about how we can continue to pray and support them. Um, so if you are interested in church planning, especially in Paris, France, in an unchurched part of the world, um, and what that's like and how that's been going for them and how we've been able to support them as Park Church. I think you'll enjoy this episode. Jason shared stories that I'd never heard before, um, and the origins of our uh, partnership with them were pretty cool, how God brought us together. Um, and the work that they're doing is, is so, so needed in Paris. So um, you can find the resources that we mentioned on this episode. You can go to parkchurchdenver.org slash park-podcast. So that's parkchurchdenver.org slash park-podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please hop into iTunes, rate and review us there. Uh, And then also subscribe while you're in there. That'll just notify you next time that an episode comes out. Okay, that'll do it. Let's uh, jump into the interview with Jason. Here he is. Hey, Jason. Thanks for coming on the Park Church Podcast. How you doing? No, my pleasure. How are you? I'm doing well. We were talking before we before we uh, went live here that both of us are feeling a little under the weather, but uh, we're going to <laughs> we're going to fake it and just act like we're okay, right? Yeah. So if it goes off the rails, we'll know what to blame. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so we're doing this. I mentioned this in the intro, but but we are um, interviewing all the church planners and uh, missionaries and campus ministers, all the folks that we support financially, local organizations here in Denver. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're taking this year on the Park Church Podcast to just interview all of those people um, or organizations. Uh, and so you are the, the second in line. We interviewed Dan Murata last month uh, out of Virginia. Um, and so I, some folks in our church will know who you are. Uh, others will not. Yeah. So, yeah, just give us the... The two or three minute Jason Percupio story. Uh, well, uh, I I grew up kind of all over the all over the U.S. So I am American. I'm not I'm not French. Um, <laughs> I the, b- before I came to France, I was living in Florida. I'd been there for about two years when I met my wife. Uh, I, I think I met the only French girl in Florida at the time. <laughs> uh, she she'd been living there for about seven years or six years, longer than me anyway. 
And uh, that whole time, she didn't meet a single French person until like the week before we left. I think somebody took us to Epcot Center, and in the French restaurant, she finally met uh, another French person <laughs> in Florida. So anyway, they're pretty hard to come by. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so we met and we got married in um, in uh, Florida. This will be 15 years ago. Uh, this coming April. Wow. And um, about a year after we got married, we uh, we came to France, not not remotely to do ministry. Uh, we were both very young Christians at the time, and uh, just she she had been in America for a long time and wanted to go home, and I'd never been to Europe before, and so uh, we thought, you know, we're young. We were 22 at the time, so we thought we're we're young. We we're you know we don't have much to lose here if we if we take the risk. So we'll try it out for a couple of years and see how it goes and. So we moved, uh, we moved to France. We ended up in, in Normandy, uh, in a little city called Vernon, where her parents are. And, um, and, you know, during that first year, I, I learned French, um, or I spent the first few months learning French. And, uh, and then we started working. We both worked, uh, uh, teaching English to business people, uh, in, in local businesses. There, there's a pretty big need for that here. So it, it was just a really easy, uh, really easy fit. And it was something that we both did, uh, relatively well. And then got involved in a local church in uh, in Normandy, and um, and again we were both very young Christians. I was learning French at the time, and uh, we just wanted to serve wherever we could. And so um, and so before too long, we were actually running the youth group, and I was leading worship. Um, so a lot of trust on the part of our of our pastor at the mm-hmm. time uh, didn't know us very well, but uh, so so we did that for for several years. Um, and then, and then after, I, I guess about five, five or six years of, uh, of, you know, teaching English on one side and then work and then, uh, working in the church on the other side, uh, felt God calling, calling me to, you know, calling us to, to do, do this full time to actually, uh, actually devote our lives to this and didn't know exactly how or what, in what context we wanted, we think we wanted to do this or, um, or how it would work, and it was around that time that that I um, that I had a kind of a pretty or not kind of a pretty radical uh, shift in uh, what or the, the way that I read the Bible. It's the first time that I around this time that I discovered uh, Reformed theology, hmm. um, mostly through articles and things online, uh, sermons. Uh, John Piper, uh, of course, I, I call him the gateway drug. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's the way the way in for, for a lot of us, I think. I, I don't know um, what he would think about but, you calling him a gateway drug. No, he probably, he'd hate it, but... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, it, it was, it was a pretty radical change because I, I grew up, uh, Pentecostal. Okay. And, uh, and so it, it, there were a lot of things that kind of, that kind of bothered me a little bit about the stuff that I'd heard growing up, but I always just assumed that when the Bible says this, it doesn't really mean that. And I, it, we need to have smarter people to explain these things, mm-hmm. uh, to me, basically. And mm-hmm. John Piper was the first time I ever heard anyone say, like, when, when it says this, that's, that's exactly what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you can, you know, anybody can pick up the Bible and read it. And, and for the most part, um, under, understand the meaning. If you read Paul's letters, uh, he says what he means. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that was a pretty huge revelation for me. And so it was through that, through, through all of the kind of related, uh, things online that I, that I've, that I found on Desiring God's website and things that I discovered Acts 29 for the first time. And this was, uh, before anything was going on in Europe. It was when, uh, Mark Driscoll was, 
uh, was running it just in a, it was a pretty small thing still at the time. Uh, but the second I, I heard what they were doing and heard about their vision for church planting. I'd never heard of church planting before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, it was just evident like this, this is what, this is what we need in France. Cause there, there, there are so few churches. Uh, one thing I was really surprised about was that in our little town of, I think there was about 200,000 people at the time, 250,000 people. There was one evangelical church in the whole city. Um, and, uh, and, you know, where I came from, you know, even in the South in small towns, you have dozens, uh, uh, of churches all over the place. And yeah. so, uh, it was evident that France needed more churches. And, um, and the more I, the more I learned, the more I realized, you know, it's not just that we need more churches. We need more healthy churches that will be able to, uh, be able to go over the long haul. And so, um, and so I, I, I realized that this is what, uh, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I felt God was uh, calling me to. And so I started, um, doing my theological studies at the University of Strasbourg, um, uh, basically in the mornings and evenings before and after work. And, uh, just, just prayed for God to give us an opportunity to learn how to do it here legally. And it was after several years of that, that, um, that Acts 29 finally started doing things in Western Europe. Um, and, um, and I got a, I, I'd sent in an application to do an internship with them, not expecting anything. This was, uh, several years, uh, before. And, uh, finally I got a, a phone call from Philip Moore, uh, uh who was a, a pastor to the east of Paris, about an hour and a half from where we were living at the time, um, asking me to come do an internship with him. He'd be, he had just become the first, uh, uh, pastor in france to join x29 and so three months after that we moved and interned with them for two years and uh and then they sent us out to plant where we are in paris and so that's wow. where we are wow that's a cool story that's actually my first time to hear to hear the whole thing i love that um <laughs> so that was let's see how long ago was it that you planted uh in paris uh we launched uh in september 2014 September. So it'll be four years in September. It's been yeah. three and a half hours, uh, three and a half uh, years, three and a half years or three and a half hours. It probably feels like that at times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And, and every time that we mention you guys here in Denver, we butcher, uh, butcher the name. So just say it for us here on the podcast. So we have a recording of it that we can reference from now on. All right. All right. The church is called Eglise Connexion, which, uh, uh pretty obviously means connection church. <laughs> it's not that hard to translate. Yeah. And do we need to kind of feign the, the French accent when we do it or can we just say it Americanized? You could say it Americanized. Okay. You could even, you could even say it in English and say just connection church. In, <laughs> okay. In Paris. That would... <laughs> okay. That's easy. Enough. We're the only ones, So <laughs> it, it wouldn't be confused with anything else. Um, so you do the, the two years with uh, Philip, on the outskirts of Paris, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was about a half an hour, 40 minutes uh, to the east of Paris, yeah. Okay, and then he says, or, or you guys decide together, we think we need to go right in the heart of Paris. Yeah, it's funny, because uh, when, we, when we started the internship, we didn't have any idea where, where we wanted to plant. We just said, we, you know, France needs more churches, I don't care where we go, hmm. just, you know, we need, we need more of this. Yeah. And about... About three or four months into the internship, uh, Philip was over at our house and, uh, and he was talking to both of us and he said, why don't, why don't you think about Paris? And, and, and 
we kind of looked at each other, uh, my wife and I, um, my wife's name is Loanne, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think I said that before. Um, <laughs> anyway, we looked at each other and, uh, and it was, we had this kind of moment where we realized a, that he was right. Huh. And B, that we were going to have to change a lot about the way uh, we had thought about things. Because we'd always said that Paris is the one place in France that we'll never, ever move to. <laughs> because because we, lived, we, we didn't live too far outside the city before. Normandy kind of borders the, the Paris region, okay. or the, you know, what they call uh, Haute Normandy. And so um, it's, it's expensive. It's, it's very expensive. It's, it's dirty people everywhere, noisy, uh, all, all the stuff that we don't like, basically. I mean, we love, <laughs> we like the city, but it's a great place to visit. Yeah. But we didn't, we said we'd never want to live there. Yeah. But when he said, consider Paris in the context of church planting. That changed a lot. Uh, I mean, we hadn't even, it hadn't even dawned on us to think about it until he said it. Uh, that, that changed a lot for us because when when you consider just moving to paris for the for the convenience of it or the comfort of it there is none but when you think about the need in paris it was it was so obvious we were surprised we hadn't thought of it before because paris is um it has more churches than any any than any city in france but per capita it has one of the lowest ratios of of churches to to residents in the entire country there are two and a half million people who live in the city proper, not even counting the suburbs. And in the city proper, there are 40, um, what they call, yeah, there are 40 so-called evangelical churches, and that runs the gamut from uh, from your very hard-nosed, like uh, almost traditional uh, uh, Protestant churches to your, your wild and crazy um you know, like hyper charismatic churches and yeah. everything that everything between, and so out of out of all of the churches that are here, there are only a handful that are actually biblical uh, that that actually uh, teach the Bible in a way that's faith or that, that that's faithful and um, and faithful to the gospel. And so and so when you look at how many people there are and how few churches there are, even if you Imagine that all 40 of those were perfect, you know, excellent, solid churches. There are still not nearly enough. And, um, and fortunately, I mean, I, I, I'd worked in Paris for a year, uh, during, uh, during our time in Normandy. It was an, it was a train ride in. Um, it, it was a, it was a, it's a city that we know well. It wasn't that far of a move for us. And it would be easy for us, you know, me, me being a first time planter to, to be able to keep in touch with, uh, uh, with the team, uh, back in Lani where Philip was. Um, and so it just, it was obvious to us right away. I mean, we did, we did pray for for a good while before committing to it but it was it was pretty obvious right away we, we, it was a little painful you know, we had to <laughs> let go of our oh boy, this is this isn't going to be as comfortable as we're used to but uh but uh, but yeah yeah it was a pretty obvious choice okay yeah i i just did the numbers over here real quick while you're talking even if those 40 are, are solid if there are 2.5 million in the city that's one for every 62,500 people so yeah, something like that. The it's a little is, less than that. It's two, I yeah. think it's two point two million. So, okay. I mean, okay. it's just incredible the the lack. No kidding. Um, and so, you, you know, Philip suggests that you take some time to pray through it. You eventually decide to do it, knowing that it's going to be, like you said, um, uncomfortable and loud, and 
messy. And I mean, it, you know, New York City might be an equivalent for people thinking about it here. Yeah. Um, moving into the city with a kid, trying to start a, a business where it's expensive. Um, so talk to us about some of those challenges that you have faced since you've planted. Um, and then yeah. along with that, any successes that, that you've seen? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, challenge the fir- the first one, even before we started planting, was just financial. Uh, trying to figure out how we were going to, um, how how we were going to be able to pay our bills in the city because it, it costs easily three or four times here what it would you know uh, to to live what it would outside of the city uh, you know where we were living before in Normandy and so we we just had no no idea how how we were going to make it work. My wife uh, at the time wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't working. She was at home with, uh, with our son, Jack, who was, uh, two, uh, when we were preparing all this. And so as, as, as God would have it, um, Philip calls me one Wednesday night as we're trying to, trying to figure out how to, how to go about raising, raising funds and, you know, trying to contact churches around, around the Florida, Florida area, uh, the X-39 churches in Florida, uh, so we could go, you know, when we go home to my parents, we could also visit those churches at the same time. Uh, Philip calls me up one Wednesday night and says, "Hey, I, um, I, um, I, I'm having dinner with an X-29 pastor. Uh, come, come up with me. We're going to meet him in Paris tonight." And so, yeah, all right. So, it was, you know, a couple hours later, I hopped on the train and 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 we met. Uh, so Philip and I met uh, Brian, yeah. uh, Brian Brown, who at the time was the pastor of uh, of Park. And, um, I had dinner with them the next day I came out. So Brian was there with, uh, um, with uh, a guy named Nick who was, who was doing missions, uh, for Park at the time. So this was, uh, almost five years ago, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, so we, we just, we, we didn't really, uh, you know, we talked about what we wanted to do, uh, in central Paris, um, and uh, just kind of presented it, but without actually overtly asking for anything. Just to, just to sort of put the bug in his ear, I guess. Yeah. Uh, not really expecting much to come out of it, um, and had a good time. And uh, about four or five weeks later, we were in Florida um, visiting all these churches, visiting my family at the same time. And at the end of the at the end of the week, at the end of the ten days that I'd gone around visiting churches, um, I think that we had raised about 10% of what we needed. Oof. And I didn't know anyone else. Like, Oof. cause we, we didn't, we couldn't go with a missions agency because it wasn't, we weren't typical missionaries. You know, it wasn't, uh, uh, we were considered an indigenous church planting couple. I'd been here for over 10 years at the time. Um, so, um, so I didn't know what to do. Basically, I didn't know who else <laughs> to call. And so I called Brian up and I said, uh, and I said, Hey, um, is there any chance that I could, come over to see you in Denver as if it was close to Florida, you know, uh, <laughs> can I, can I come to see you in Denver and just like spend a day with you guys? Uh, uh, just, uh, talking, talking to your elders and, uh, and everybody there about, uh, about what we're doing. And so he said, yeah, come on up. And so I took a plane, uh, over to Denver. I spent 24 hours there. It was in the middle of winter. It was, uh, November, uh, early December. Yeah. So there was snow on the ground, which was awesome for me. It'd been a long time. Um, <laughs> And uh, and yeah, just spent spent 24 hours or so uh, uh, chatting with the elders, telling them about what we're doing, um, getting some advice about about what we do. With the, cause this is a this is about a year before we actually or or less than a year before we actually launched. And so, uh, just getting some advice about about uh, how, what it is, you know, what it looks like to start a church plant from scratch. And um, 
and then flew back home and didn't, you know, we expected maybe a little bit of support to come out of it, but not too much. And, um, and a few months later, get a call from Brian saying, we've talked about, talked about it with the elders and, you know, we're committing, we want to commit to this amount. And it was, uh, two thirds of our budget wow. easily. I, I don't have the math, of that, but it was like, it just so far above and beyond, uh, the support that we were expecting. And so that was, that was a challenge and it's still a challenge. I mean, we still don't, we still don't have the support that actually meets the budget that, that we need to live here. Uh, but but the kind of the best way that God uh, confirmed this to us and um, and blessed us in those early months was was through Park. Uh, I mean, no question. It was just, it was so so far beyond what we were expecting or even asking from him. Mm. Uh, and so and so that I mean that's why we love it. We, we that's part we love you guys so much. We barely knew church at the time. I knew a handful of people. We've gotten to know. Uh, different people a little better in the church now, but uh, mm. uh, but at the time, man, it was just uh, it was just incredible. Yeah. I thought of my seat. Yeah, yeah. I I uh, I remember some of that early day stuff. I remember when we when we made the decision to support y'all and okay, who are these guys? What are they doing? Um, and I, I think the more we've gotten to know you, just to hear um, about your heart for France and for Paris and just for church planning in general. Um, in in Europe, it's pretty awesome, and and you're right, it is uh, very expensive to do the work that you're doing over there, and so we're happy to be able to uh, help you out in doing that. And um, and I know that um, you've seen a lot of success by God's grace, and so tell us a little bit about what the past three and a half years have been like as you've been growing. Yeah, so w- w- when we came in, uh, we moved into the city in July of twenty twenty fourteen. And, um, and we didn't really, we didn't go about it in a traditional kind of, you know, a traditional way where you, you get together a team, uh, you spend a few months building the team, you know, go to do, you know, whatever, uh, escape games or, you know, hiking in the mountains <laughs> together, to whatever. We didn't, we didn't have that. What we had was a network of, of other, we were part of the, um, uh, so Phillips Church is part of the Baptist, uh, the Baptist uh, denomination here. Uh, or one of them, and uh, and so we had a network of churches in the city, uh, three or four, uh, really really solid faithful churches, uh, and one in particular, um, this this one church actually came came alongside us, and 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 the pastor just just really, I mean, really kind of carried us along in those first few months. He planted his church, and so knew what he was doing. Uh, initially was going to be doing it with us and after a few months just decided to take a step back, uh, and let us, let us go ahead and run it because he felt like we could, we could do it. And, uh, which was a, which was huge. It was, it had been his kind of his baby for a long time. Um, and, and so we had this network of churches, um, that would be helping us. And, and part of the difficulty, part of the reason that we did what we did is because we were deciding to plant, uh, in the dead center of Paris in a place called the Châtelet Léal. Um, so if you look at a, a metro map of, uh, the city of Paris, all of the metro lines converge in one point in the center, like, uh, like the center of a spider web. And, um, and that's Châtelet Léal. Uh, so it's the biggest metro station in Europe. All of the, or nearly all of the, the metro lines in the city converge there. And, um, and, it seemed obvious to us that 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 a church needed to be there, per- firstly because there were no churches there in the first uh, four districts of the city, which kind of uh, 
which kind of uh, radiate or, uh, radiate around that that station. There were zero evangelical churches at the time, and so and it was like a population of about 150 200 thousand. Wow. Uh, if I remember right at wow. the time, so, uh, so there was a need just just because of that. But also there are, there are lots of other areas of the city that don't have any churches uh, that that are just that are just empty. But if they if there if there was a church that was centrally located, then even if you didn't have a church in your area, you could really easily come into the center. In less time it would take you to, to maybe even walk to a church in your area. You could come into the center and, uh, and, and, and have access to a church there. And so before, uh, starting to invest in all these other empty areas in the city that need churches, um, but it seemed obvious that we needed to, we needed to plant a church in, in a place that was accessible to everyone. Yeah. So, so we could have a place while we wait to fill all these areas in the city. We need a place that's accessible to everyone, and so that's part of the reason why we felt comfortable going in without a team, um, because we knew uh, we knew that we had a, a network of churches behind us that would support us and basically be the team uh, that we needed, and we knew that we'd grow quickly because of where we were. Uh, and so that's that's exactly what happened. We plant we launched in uh, September of 2014, and the first few months, everybody that came to us were, were they were all folks who had just moved into the city for work or for their studies, and who were looking for a church. Went to one of these other more established churches, and then were sent to us by them. Uh, <laughs> and, and so the first yeah they, they'd all say you know we're happy you're here, but did you know there's a new church uh, being planted in Chatelier? You should go check them out. And so the first. I think 15, 16 people that we had all came to us that way. Um, so in addition to the support that we got from these other churches in terms of uh, how to do ministry and actually working for the ministry, we had uh, we had a core team that pretty much sprang up from nothing in just a few months. And by God's grace, he, he didn't send us anyone difficult, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be sensitive there. Uh, he, he, he sent us, he sent us, uh, people who were, um, for the most part mature in their faith, who were very committed to what we were doing, who loved, who maybe it never occurred to them to, to invest in a, in a church plant before, but who saw the need and who, who got on board right away and, uh, and who were all just fiercely committed to what was going on. And so, uh, and so, they they created an atmosphere in the church of, of of welcoming new people because obviously they were happy that new people were coming, and uh, and of you know they, they of, of inviting these new people along to what we were already doing and and kind of kind of organically spreading the vision uh, of the church to whoever would come in, and so I, cr- I credit them with uh, with much of our growth at the beginning because. Uh, uh, because they did such a such a wonderful job of welcoming people and bringing them in, and then and then transmitting the vision even beyond what I what, what I was already trying to do from the pulpit. So, uh, so we grew uh, very quickly by French standards. Anyway, it was it was pretty extraordinary. By the end of the first year, we were running about forty, uh, if I remember right, forty forty five. Yeah. And then uh, everyone leaves France in the summertime. Uh, so, so I mean, it's just a, it, the city is a desert in the summertime. Um, they all go on vacation, and so when the school year started back up in September, uh, we suddenly had a wave of people come in. The size of the church doubled 
in about three months. Wow. Wow. Three or four months. So we, we, I mean, it's about 30 new people, which doesn't sound extraordinary, but when you were all, when you were only 35 to 40 before and you see the size of your church double, it's just, it's just huge. And so we had to move several times to, to a bigger room. And, um, and we finally found a, 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 a conference center in 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 our area that gave us an incredible deal on this huge room that they're not using on Sundays, basically. And uh, and by God's grace, I mean every as long as we add chairs, people keep coming. Uh, we've seen we've seen our first kind of plateau this year at a, about 130 on Sundays, uh, but it's because we ran out of seats. Wow. <laughs> we don't have any more chairs wow. right now, so uh, it's just been extraordinary. And and of those 130. Um, the, a solid two thirds of them are are fully you know fully involved in the life of the church. So there's been that growth on the one hand. Uh, we've seen people you know seen people come to faith. We've, we we baptized uh, eight people uh, this past uh, November. Um, uh, seen lots of you know lots of families uh, lots of families starting to come. Lots of babies being born, um, which is which is fantastic. Um, because we had mostly young singles and young married couples at the time, so they're finally starting to have babies, which is pretty cool for a long time. It was just our son was the only kid in the church for a while. <laughs> um, and, uh, and in addition, we've, uh, we've, uh, we've elected in the, uh, this was in May, uh, at a general assembly of the, of the members, we finally elected, uh, two elders along with me. Um, two guys named Paul and Alno. So one of them is French. Paul Paul is uh, he's fully French, and then Alno is from Cameroon, and but and moved here uh, moved here when he was a teenager. So um, so we've got a very a very uh, mixed uh, mixed group of elders that that fits uh, perfectly fits the the makeup of the church. It's a it's a huge smattering of different nationalities and ethnicities and. And uh, native languages, and uh, and then we, along with them, we elected ten deacons uh, from the church. People who had been involved pretty much since the beginning, or the first after the first year, and uh, we just wanted to affirm them in what they were already doing, and and just be biblical about it, and call them by what they actually were, and uh, have them recognized as such. And so, uh, and so we did that. And so it's it's just been. This, this year has been extraordinary for me because I've fi- we're finally starting to run the church not so much as a church plant, um, but as a as a as a church that's being run by more than more than just me. Uh, I don't have to operate as a church planter as much now. I can. Uh, I'm the only one working full time, but I'm not alone in in what's going on. So it's been a huge a huge blessing for me. I've been so encouraged. That is uh, awesome. So encouraging to hear. I'm glad that God has, uh, you know, provided leaders uh, who can help you in carrying out that vision and um, and running out of space is is wild. Are you are you looking yeah. for a bigger space at this point, or what are you going to do? Well, no, we um, we're not really sure what to do at this point because we can't. We definitely can't afford a place of our own yet. Um, uh, you know, like a full, we, we would really love to have a, a building of our own where we can actually use the building during the week for, for right now we rent a room on Sundays and move in chairs, basically. Uh, the, the problem isn't the space we've got, I mean, and, and several people from Park have actually visited, uh, the church, but Paris is a pretty easy destination, uh, for people going on vacation. And it's just been fantastic because, uh, since we've planted anyone who comes to, 
who comes to Paris from Park Church visits us on Sunday. So a, a, a pretty good number of a number of uh, folks from Park have been, have been to the church. So they'll know that the room is actually huge. It's um, if we filled it up with seats, it could seat probably 400 people. Okay. 350 to 400 people, but we don't have enough chairs. The the set the conference center doesn't have enough chairs. Uh, so we put in about 150 chairs um, on Sunday, and that's as that's all we have. And so, um, what we I mean we're we're still trying to, we're still trying to figure that out exactly what to do. Um, uh, whether we should buy more chairs and move them in, uh, which there's not a lot of room to store them, so we don't know how we do that, uh, or go to two services. Um, but you know, we're we've been thinking about that because we've noticed uh, just over the last few weeks uh, that that we're beginning to plateau in terms of numbers, and I th- and I think it's because we're running out of room. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, we uh, we'll be praying for wisdom <laughs> for that as you, Thank you as you make your decisions. Yeah. Um, Tell us maybe briefly about uh, the terroristic acts in Paris in 2015 and uh, how that affected y'all, how you navigated it. The the funny thing is um, that it didn't actually change all that much in terms of in terms of the life of the church. And I, I say the funny thing is it's not funny at all um, because not just because of the events themselves, but because of the reaction of the city mm. uh, to the events. Um, when it, when it happened, it was a Friday night. Um, my wife and I were watching TV, and we, you know, we saw we saw the stuff on the news. And I started getting phone calls, not from my family members or anyone concerned about us, but from people from the church who were there or who were in the area. Uh, we had two 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 girls who were um, just walking, you know, in front of the in front of where the concert hall was. It was about a half an hour walk from where we live. Um, and uh, the police just told them to run, run. And so they didn't know what was going on. So they ran, didn't know where to go, called us. And so we said, yeah, come here. Uh, and so they came here. Then we had uh, one guy who was uh, at the stadium where the bombs went off with two of his two of his friends. They got as far as they, they hopped on the train as quick as they could, got as far as Châtelet-Léal. And then the trains were stopped uh, after that. And so they couldn't go anywhere. They get off the train and they see there were false alarms all over the place that night. And so they see, uh, you know, guys in full mil- military gear telling them to get down and run. Um, and so and so they ran here. Uh, and so at that, that night we had five people from the church sleeping on our floor wow. because they couldn't go home. Um, and so it was there was that kind of sobering uh, realization of, okay, this city's, the city's changing now. Like this is, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to, it's, it's not so much it changes uh, the way things are done, but it's definitely going to change our feeling about it. Um, but so, so, so the, the, the main reaction for Christians was, uh, was obviously fear. There was a lot, a good deal of fear, like everybody, uh, at the time. Um, but we decided that Sunday, that even though they were telling people to stay inside, they still didn't know. They hadn't caught the guys yet. Uh, the following Sunday, they still didn't know exactly what was going on. Uh, we decided to hold to maintain our service anyway, and uh, we were surprised to find that nearly everybody who usually was there at that time came uh, on Sunday. Um, and we were we were thinking people are going to be afraid to go out, uh, but. They they were afraid, but they came out anyway, um, and we were we were sort of like I I, I prepared a I, I threw up the, I, I 
postponed the sermon I'd planned for that for that Sunday, and I wrote a new sermon on Saturday uh, to talk about what had what had happened. Um, and I had I had expected there to be uh, unbelievers there as well. Sort of, sort of like after 9-11, you remember the people were flooding the churches, yep. uh, just looking for comfort. And so we were kind of expecting some of that, and there was nobody. And I wondered, like, okay, people just, they didn't invite their friends, or, you know, what's going on? And um, and I don't know if you remember the hashtag that was going around at the time, the Pray for Paris hashtag, yeah. after, after that happened. Um, we started to realize what was going on just a couple days after it happened when the hashtag really started uh, gaining traction because there were an awful lot of uh, of people here who would respond to posts with that hashtag on it saying thank you very much but you know thank you very much for the thought but religion's what caused this in the first place huh. so thanks but no thanks huh. and so rather than running to religion for comfort like like it happened in America after 9/11 people here who were already suspicious of religion before. Uh, we're like, okay, well, there you go. You wow. see, that's that's what we get. Wow. If, uh, and so, if anything, it um, it hardened the city a little more hmm. than than it had before. At least at least on a on a large scale. Um, I think it, it probably with it, with individuals, certainly with individuals that that my wife and I have talked to, um, that came up in conversation. Um, you know, why would something like this happen? They know people who know us know that I'm a pastor, know that we're Christians, and so we had a couple of good conversations with with individuals that came out of that. But on a large scale, it didn't actually change much of anything in our church. Um, it made it, if anything, a little more difficult mm-hmm. to uh, for our for our people to convince people to to come to church with them because if they were already a little suspicious of of religion in general. Well, then this just cemented that in their in their minds, and so. Um, but I mean, Paris was already a fairly a, a pretty hard place to begin with, and so it just it it took what was already there and intensified it uh, a bit. But it's it's true that living in the city itself uh, ch- has changed quite a bit over the last the last couple of years. Uh, just the there's a there's a level of tension. Uh, generally around that you don't see or that we didn't see before uh, so that was that was something in the in the, in the shooting in the or the attack in the Louvre um, yeah. I was actually there huh. uh, in the in, in the room when that happened and so you know I ran home uh, ran home in kind of a panic I didn't see what happened I just heard the shots and everyone was saying leave uh, and so you know just little things like that will 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 have an impact on on uh, on the way you feel in the city, and I think that that people in the city uh, all over the place uh, feel that. Um, but but yeah, just are uh, just trying to go about their lives like before, and so and so yeah, it was it was a strange time for us. It, but it gave us a good opportunity as a church to uh, to reaffirm together uh, who our God is and and His sovereignty over all things and yeah. the comfort that we have. In, uh, in his sovereignty. So, for, so, in terms of the outside world, uh, it didn't change much in terms of our relationship with, uh, with what was going on. But for the people inside, uh, and, and myself included, like that was a that was a scary time for us. Uh, it taught us to lean on lean on God uh, more 
uh, more diligently than we than we felt we'd had to before. Mm. Uh, that makes sense. Like, there's times like that. I'll always do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. So we we can pray for ongoing physical safety for you know increased reliance on God and trust in in His uh, sovereignty. What else can we be doing um, practically to support you, or or just other things we can be praying for? What can we do? Well, practically, uh, I'm, honestly, I, I don't have. Uh, there, there's one other church in um, in um, I can't remember the name of the city. It's Fal- Falcon uh, Monsieur Day, um, whom another Acts twenty nine church that supports us uh, that supports us there. And and Neil and Colbert, so the pastor of um, of Monsieur Day and uh, Neil. Uh, Neil Long from Park. They actually came together on a trip here last October, uh, 2016. Uh, so they're, they're, those are the, you, you guys are the two churches that that participate with us in the most visible way beyond just the financial. So, mm-hmm. like I, I already feel like we 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 benefit from you guys an awful lot. Um, uh, already from the visits that we have from members that come at least three or four every year, we have people come, you know, come to the church and say, Hey, we're from park. We wanted to, you know, come see you guys. That was huge. Uh, we've been out, we've, we've been, uh, fortunate enough to come out to visit you guys. I think every year, uh, since our relationship began, uh, to, to, to keep, you know, to, to let you guys know what was going on and also to learn from, from, from park church. It's, it's, uh, it, it's a church that, from the beginning, has been uh, has been a model for us in terms of uh, in terms of the the kind of church that we'd like to see established here uh, in France. And so it's just been it's it's been a massive blessing for us just to be able to have that relationship, um, to be able to see you guys at work, to let you guys see us at work, because it's been a, a more frequent thing than I was expecting. Um, so that that's been wonderful. Um, I think I think you guys already do uh, quite enough financially, so I'm not going <laughs> to add that. Uh, I th- mainly, what you could, what people from Park could do uh, is is continue to pray uh, for obviously the, the 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 health of the church, the uh, the wisdom of of our, of our elders, just that so we can uh, continue to lead the church well. Um, the the unbelievers in Paris who uh, who will know Christ uh, that that He might um, bring them to us uh, quickly and uh, that we would uh, see them uh, see them saved and that uh, see and see them continue to grow in faith uh, as they as they stay involved um, in a in a material way um, we still we still my wife and I are still not quite meet, we still don't quite have what we need uh, in terms of our monthly budget just to pay the bills. Uh, things like that. It's still it's still fairly tight. Um, part of that's because um, because uh, uh, it's just it's it's so expensive to live here. Part of it's because uh, we don't we aren't part of a missions agency, and so we have we don't have anybody kind of doing that work for us to uh, to look around and uh, and to find support for us like missions agency often do. And, uh, and and part of it's because um, our, our goal is in the church is to have the church uh, the church itself um, support us and increase their support uh, over time so that we can de- decrease our foreign support so that support can go to somebody else um, and they've begun to do that um, the, the church is is participating in our support but obviously 
um, planting in Paris is not just the living cost of the pastor that costs so much money. Uh, uh, even with the amazing deal that we have in our room, it's still very expensive to uh, to, to function in Paris, to rent a room in Paris, to uh, even even just like the food that we buy for meals when we eat together is more expensive here than it would be outside, and so um, it's a it's a long process. Uh, it's a little fr- it's a little bit frustrating uh, seeing um, seeing growth, but seeing growth not quite uh, like uh, financial growth. I mean, not mm. quite as quick as we'd like as we'd like to see it. Yeah. Um, it's it's really expensive, and and we've got a bunch of young folks. I mean, who don't have any money. <laughs> we got a bunch of <laughs> yeah. a lot of a lot of students and young professionals who just started their jobs, and so uh, as part of it. But uh, we continue to pray for uh, for that that um, that God would provide for for the church. Uh, that God would provide for 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 us that we can continue um, doing doing what we're doing without uh, without the kind of without without having to wonder where. Uh, where the money's going to come from to pay the next, uh, you know, this month's bills uh, would be would be a big blessing. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, if you, if if you, you know, other than other than that, if you come to Paris, visit us like uh, like a lot of people have done. Come to see us so that you can see what we're doing and and maybe feel a little more concretely uh, uh, the need. See see what it is we're doing and what the need is with your own eyes, um, and when you come back home, just to talk about it with other people. If you see anyone, um, whether they're whether they're part of Park Church or not, you know, just t- tell them about what God's doing here. Encourage them to uh, to support if they uh, if they if they can if they desire to. And uh, yeah, that's 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 the as a massive encouragement for us. And concretely, it's a it's even materially uh, a large help. Yeah. Uh, because we that's that's how that's how our support's raised we don't have any other way to go about it so right right okay that's that's helpful um thank you and uh let's here let's do this let's run through a couple rapid fire questions and then i'll get you out of here because it's it's got to be close to your bedtime yeah yeah well i'll be going to bed early tonight it's about okay. nine nine o'clock here, so. <laughs> okay all right i'll just ask you a couple questions here what's uh all right your favorite TV show, movie, and or book that you've read or watched recently? Oh goodness! Uh, I recently went through Breaking Bad again. I think for the third or fourth time. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's just kind of it, it's when you get to know a show that well, you know, after seeing it several times, it's the kind of thing you can put on the background while you're while you're working or doing something else, and yeah. it's just a nice, nice filler. And but it's true that it, it can be. It can be uh, a trap too because it, it's so good that you can't help but be distracted by it sometimes too. So that's a, be careful there. Um, let's see, book. I'm reading. I'm reading a fantastic book right now called White Teeth by Zadie Smith, uh, a British novel. And then another book that that I'm not finished with, and I don't completely know how I feel about it, but I'm but I'm fascinated by it. Called uh, it's a book called Twelve. E- 12 rules for life by uh, jordan peterson um he's a he's not it's not a christian book he's a he's a canadian uh clinical psychologist and what's interesting about the book is that he he goes at he has these basic these kind of rules uh that sound really uh really obvious like stand up stand up straight with your shoulders back that kind of thing except he'll 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 put under underneath that this huge uh, psychological anchor 
uh, it's like going through the history of psychology saying uh, why it is that a certain, you know, that this standing position would be beneficial or whatever. But in the process, the, the, it's not actually about the rules themselves. In the process, what he ends up doing is saying for psychological reasons and clinical and, and historical reasons exactly what the Bible often says. Huh. Uh, and he talks about the Bible a lot. Um, uh, not from a Christian standpoint, but from a from a historical, uh, uh, you know, archetypal uh, standpoint. But what he but he often lands the same place the Bible would, in terms of ethics, in terms of uh, uh, in terms of behavior, uh, affirming things that uh, like the sermon, little aspects of the Sermon on the Mount, where he will actually undergird it with psychology and say, yeah, this is how we're made. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just it's really fascinating to see. All of these things affirmed for a really different reason, uh, you know. Like, yeah, God, yeah, God knows what He's doing. So, <laughs> okay, it's very well written. So, anyway. nice, nice. Um, iPhone or Android? Uh, iPhone. Yeah, of course. Easy. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> what about uh, what's the best meal you've had recently? The best meal I had recently. Um, Let's see. Would it be that meal five years ago that landed you uh, two thirds of your support? That could be it. Yeah, uh, Brian, <laughs> took me to, Brian took me to Old Major. Oh, oh. It's called Old Major. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I had the best steak of my life, and oh, and some and one of the guys, I think I think Hunter Hunter Beaumont yeah. uh, was with us too that night, and he ordered a like a pork a pork chop. That looked like you remember that giant pork chop that that they slam on top of the Flintstones car that topples it over. <laughs> yeah, it looked just like that. Uh, and yeah, that was that was the best steak of my life. So I can't. I, in Spain, we we were looking all over the place. So I was in Spain last week on vacation with my with my family. We were looking everywhere for tapas for um, uh, for a restaurant that had tapas. And it's not the place, the area of Spain we were at. It wasn't as big a thing as it would be in Barcelona. Okay. Um, or somewhere like that. So we couldn't find any, but we found, uh, we found some native churros Ooh. that were extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So besides old major, I'd probably go with that. <laughs> okay. Um, what is the nerdiest thing that you're into right now? The thing that you, you kind of don't want to tell me that you're doing or that you like. Um, I uh, I have read a small number of Star Wars novels, <laughs> the new ones that have come out since they threw out the old expanded universe uh, books, and so I've read I've read a few of those out of curiosity. Just out of curiosity. Uh, that's probably not. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. all right. It's probably not the nerdiest thing that I've that I'm <laughs> that I've done, but. Uh, that's the that's the first thing I can think of. I, my, my life is pretty much nerd territory across the board. So, <laughs> okay. Oh no. Okay. Okay. No, I got it. The, oh, okay. The, the nerdiest right. thing I do on a regular basis is um, we don't we don't have a TV in the house, and we give our son very limited screen time. He's five years old. He's turning six tomorrow, um, and so he only watches movies uh, probably once a once a week, once every two weeks uh, or so. And so, but, but he knows all these other movies exist and he knows that I've seen them and that I know them, even movies that are not quite 
that that are a little too adult for him that we don't want him to see. Okay. He still wants to know. Like so, like what what's it about? And so every morning I walk into school about a fifteen minute walk uh, from from our apartment, and every morning he asks me, "All right, tell tell me the story of uh, of, of of Wonder Woman." Yeah. You know, tell me tell me the story of Iron Man. Tell me the story of and because I'm a, a nerd and know all of these <laughs> know a lot of these movies uh, like the back of my hand, I can tell him the story and skip over the bits that aren't appropriate for him. Uh so he feels like he knows like he knows the movies even if he's never actually seen them. There you go. Dad of the year. That's not nerdy. That's that's just good dadness right there. I I think it's pretty cool too, but uh, I'm yeah. I'm I'm made up for it. <laughs> Um, okay, here's the last one. If uh, I get this question from Tim Ferriss, he asked people if you could put a billboard anywhere in the world, where would you put it, and what would it say? Oh man! <laughs> That's I, I have to think about that one off the top of my head. I don't know where I'd put it. I'd probably put it, uh, you know, just uh, all over the city. Um, off the top of my head, I would want to say something like find a Christian and ask him a question. Mm. Cause that's that, that, what, what's, what's lacking here anyway is, or what, what the, the biggest problem we have here is a, is a pretty strong misconception of, of what Christianity is. Evangelical Christianity in particular, they see it as a sect or as a, as a cult. And so, um, and so the, the easiest way to get over that hump is to just have a conversation with a Christian and ask him a question. Yeah. Um, because most of those misconceptions are, are, are indeed misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most of the things that people hear about it are things that are happening on the fringes, uh, that only a very small handful of, of, of churches are actually engaged in. Uh, for the most part, that's not indicative of what's actually going on. So I find that at least in our context, the easiest way to uh, to share the gospel with somebody in an open manner is to do it uh, in conversation, usually around a meal, uh, just really simply asking asking and answering questions. So we'll be praying. That I know. I, no, no, that's good. You're going to think of something later. You can. You can. I'm going to think of something better than that. But well, uh, that's pretty good off the top of your head. You can just send me a message on Facebook if you think of something better. And uh, right. I'll put it on, on the show page or something. Um, we'll be praying <laughs> that, that more of those conversations are happening in Paris and grateful for the, for the work that you're doing over there to empower that. Um, uh, when are you coming out here? Do you know? Well, I was planning on, uh, we were planning on, I talked to Neil um, the last time we chatted, uh, and we were planning on coming out in April or May. Okay. Uh, that was that was the idea, at least, at least me. Uh, but... As it turns out, um, so sorry, we not the last time I talked to Neil, but the, the last time we had talked about me coming out. Uh, as it turns out, my wife is pregnant with uh, with our second yes. uh, with our second child, who's Ooh. arriving in June, and so. So she didn't want to travel it, it in May. <laughs> no, she's not. She definitely won't be won't be making any trips uh, yeah. uh, that that late. And it pro- probably it's going to be a stretch for me too because uh, we're trying to get ready for the baby. And uh, and it, if you if you take it that late in the game, you know the baby can come anytime right. in the last uh, you know the last several weeks, as you know. So um, so we haven't quite nailed that question down. But uh, if not if not um, between now and 
let's say beginning of May, then hopefully soon, uh, soon thereafter. Yeah. Well, just wait until, until the girl's born and bring her with, with you when you come. That's yeah, if push really comes to the shove, then we'll we'll eventually take a trip uh, to Florida to visit my parents, and then, uh, as we have in the past, Loyan and I will fly out and see you guys, and and depending on how big the baby is, maybe bring her along too. <laughs> Great, or you can leave her at home and maybe get some time away from the kids. Or we could do that. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> if she's a little more autonomous and my my parents can watch after her, then we'd probably do that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so what, you're, you're going to have two kids in an apartment that is how many square feet uh square feet i don't know uh, i don't okay. remember how to convert it uh, it's 65 square meters uh, um okay. Let's see. so 65 square meters to feet google knew what i was going to okay there you go 700 square feet all four of y'all yeah there you go <laughs> we'll be praying for that too <laughs> You guys will Thank know you. each other well. Yeah. Not a lot of secrets in the Procupio household, I guess. No. no, no. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. It's it's past nine now. So if you're not in your pajamas, uh, get out of here and go change into them. I sure will. That's the only way to get better, you know. you got to get good sleep. <laughs> good sleep. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll be passing out just after this. So. <laughs> Thanks for the time. We love you guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We love you guys too. And, uh, let us know, uh, as always, and not just to you, James, but, uh, you know, anyone else, uh, we're on Facebook. So let us know how we can pray for you guys. If you need anything, if you're coming into the area, then get in touch. Sounds good. Thanks brother. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Well, thank you, as always, for listening. As I mentioned at the front of the show, if you like the Park Church Podcast, hop into iTunes, rate and review us there. And while you're in there, click subscribe to get notified when the next episode comes out. Uh, as always, you can find the, the resources that we mentioned uh, at parkchurchdenver.org slash park-podcast. You'll see Jason's name and picture there. You can click on it to take you into the show page. Um, thanks, as always, for listening. We'll see you next month for the next episode of the Park Church Podcast. See ya.